Good Wednesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. The Wednesday edition of Real Talk with Keith Smith, presented by Ross Mortgage and our friend Scott Morris, a trusted advisor. Scott Morris is crushing it with Ross Mortgage, by the way, and he's also crushing it as a dad and a husband. And yes, I will follow him around and say this on a daily basis because I love the guy. He's assembled today a panel of pretty talented proportions. Taylor Averett's in the house, his third time. He's from Nest Royalty. And for the first time, Jeremy Rowe, namesake founder of the Jeremy Rowe Agency. Judah Wickhauer, let's go to the studio camera. Let's welcome the fellows to the show. Um, Scott, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, uh, just doing doing the light thing. Got uh, birthdays coming up for my twins in June. Uh Work is going great. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're running around, get, you know, trying to solve the the people problems, get people into homes, help our realtor partners uh, market, and do the best they can to get as much exposure to their listings and uh, activity for their buyer clients as possible. One of the uh, realtor partners right here, Taylor Averett, in the house of Ness. How's the uh, business of late? How about a market update from you, my friend? Yeah, it's good. It's steady. Um, you know, it's kind of the same. Everybody I talk to, it's not going to be a record-setting year for anybody. But uh, especially at Nest, where I think we have a, a, a nice group of professionals, everybody's chugging right along. Uh, a lot of cash activity going on right now, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, and no complaints. I'd love to be busier, but uh, it's the market we're in right now. Uh, let's get the uh, first-timer in the mix. Um, and I would love an introduction, and not only on the business, but first personal. Jeremy Rowe, for those that don't know, an introduction to you and uh, the personal life. Yeah, I'm, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I've gotten to work with both of these gentlemen here before, and uh, I'm really glad I can come and help share some of the knowledge on the insurance side. Uh, I grew up just over the mountain in Augusta County and went to school at UVA, so I wanted to give a special shout-out to all the UVA graduates this past weekend. It was a busy weekend in town. I'm very excited for them. And they I'm get the to only, only non-UVA graduate at the Fellow table. Wahoo at the table. <laughs> Taylor as well. I uh, second and concur what he said. Yeah. So well, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to discount... I'm actually the resident Tar Heel here. I was going to I know, I know, you did say that. I'm Real Talk's resident Tar Heel, so, yeah. Um, so, finish your thought here. So, very much um, born and raised, Augusta yeah. County, we'll get to this, red hot right now, real estate-wise, because yes. of price points, but talk to us uh, what it was like to born and raised in this area. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. I, I loved um, growing up over in Augusta County, and I uh, grew up a big UVA fan. It was 30 minutes over the mountain, and even when I was looking to go to college, um, it was nice that I was 30 minutes from home, but still had a mountain in between uh, where I grew up and, and where I was going to school. So, um, you know, very convenient to get back and see my parents and my brothers and everything as I was going to school. But absolutely loved my time at UVA uh, all four years. And, uh, you know, I'm very blessed that I still have the opportunity to be in and around Charlottesville and uh, have begun my career. Uh, I've worked for Stanley Martin Homes in the past, and that was kind of where I got my introduction within real estate, um, have been licensed in real estate, and made the transition and opened up my own agency, the Jeremy Rowe Agency with Goosehead Insurance. And it's taken a lot of my previous work knowledge and it's put it into a new platform. So it's been good. I've got uh, I'm happily married. Uh, my wife is also a 
uh, graduate of Washington and Lee for her undergrad and her PhD at UVA in psychology. Wow. And uh, I've got a five and a half year old little boy, okay. uh, Barton Rowe. And uh, my daughter will be three on June the 2nd. So mm-hmm. also, um, you know, right there, another June birthday. So. Five-year-old and a six-month-old. Yours are? The girls will be five in June 26th, and uh, Colton will be three August 3rd. And Taylor, yeah. not to put you in the spot, no kids, right? Uh, apparently, I'm living a life of Peter Pan. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Tar is Peter Pan over here. We love Taylor, though, on the program. All right, so, fellas, I'll get out of the way. You guys are the pros here. Um, Taylor and, and Jerry, how, how is, how's business? How, how's the market? How's business going? on right now. Why don't we start uh, with Jeremy? I mean, what's the temperature on the street? Sure. So business has been going very well. Um, a, lot of what, a lot of what I do is correlated with the new home origination. When people are buying a home or they're getting a loan, um, a lot of what my business is focused on is helping those homeowners with their homeowner's insurance. I write all personal lines, uh, everything with the exception of health insurance. So life, um, auto, umbrella policies, but the big focus that I have is working within the real estate community on the homeowner's insurance side. So my business has a tendency to ebb and flow a little bit with the market, um, but it's actually for the last, uh, the last six weeks has been you know, pretty strong. I've seen a little bit more activity. Um, you know, throughout the year, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. It hasn't been the exact, um, the spring market has had kind of peaks and valleys to it that we don't normally see in a, in a regular market, and that's been felt uh, on the insurance side as well. Um, so business has been very good. I'm blessed to work with um, a lot of partners uh, in Charlottesville, and uh, I'm very glad when I can you know, help them out. Same question for you, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, I concur. It feels a little stop-start. Um, Monday there was two listings in Charlottesville. You know, in city, city limits. Yeah, the last, you know, Weeks past, some days you'd have 15 or 20. So um, I'm sure graduation affected that somewhat, but um, as there's a lot of volatility in rates and things like that, um, it's, it's just a week-by-week week situation. My listings are down in the spring, year over year. I have. Uh, What's the number? What's the count? Right now? Well, for you personally. I've listed one house in the spring. Uh, I've done quite a bit of, I've done a, a way more marketing this year. Um, but people can't make lateral moves in the city anymore. They have to make a downgrade move. Um, the rate environment, the price appreciation, these are taking people, I mean, my personal situation is I bought a house for $300,000 with a 2.5% interest rate three and a half, almost four years ago. My house. Your first time on the show, I think you said on the program that you believe you bought the entry point in the city. I believe that's I what do. you said I, on I the show. I do. I think for a single-family home, yes. Yeah, that's yes. what you said. That's it memory right. serves. That house is probably now 430 with a 7% interest rate. You know, but where, you got stacks of paper, but you're saying, what are you going to do with that well, stack? If, I, where if I wanted to move, where do I go? I'm moving into a one-bedroom condo for the same monthly payment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know, if, if, there is no vanity moving anymore. I just want a bigger house or I, oh I want to move out to Crozet for kicks and giggles. You know, it's it's oh I have to move now. I might be getting divorced. I might be having children and uh, I don't fit in this house anymore. There's no, you know, and then it's a downgrade or you're moving farther out of town. So, um second part of the year, I've got quite a few listings lined up for second part of the year. I think that second part of the year is going to be better than first part of the year the same way it was in the COVID situation where there was kind of a deferred market. But, you know, these things are week by week and touch and go. So we'll see. 
Scott Morris. I agree with that, and I think there's a ton of uh, people, professional forecasters, who've actually branded fourth quarter as going to be the biggest quarter of the year. Um, and then I think that there's some, uh, you know, additional factors that come into play. I th think that all what we're continuing to go through and see, like right now, we were just at uh, almost six percent um, with an, uh, an average conventional 30-year fixed, and now we're almost. Uh, or I think today we we broke through an average of seven. I don't. I think part of that is due to what we're seeing uh, with uh, the Fed and this debt ceiling argument, and people, uh, and not just people. I mean, other countries, large institutions, not being comfortable owning U.S. bonds until they say, say "Okay, okay, everybody, we're going to pay your, we're going to pay our bills," and and then they'll be comfortable buying back into the debt. Um, and then at that point, you, at the moment that that happens, you'll see. Uh, uh, five to eight basis point move in the 30 year and probably a half a percent move will dip back down to six and a half or better uh, on 30 year fixed. Uh, but I think that's just the, the beginning of the story. Um, we've talked about it a little bit off camera and I, I kind of dip a toe into it uh, here and there every week when we're here. Um, I think that there is a bigger event coming that it's, it'll be, and it may not be one singular thing. It may be a lot of things that end up happening that, uh, we're, everybody likes to think that things move in this linear fashion, but they don't, especially in the bond market and especially in rates. Look, look how quickly everything moved down when the government put their, their foot on the pedal uh, during COVID. We, uh, we moved within four months from almost 5% rates to uh, three and a half. So it's a one and a half percent move. In the course of the last 30 days, we've had a full 1% swing. Things will move faster and they will be more dramatic and they'll be driven by the default of zombie companies. Uh, the, uh, uh, some, as soon as we begin to increase a, a jobless rate, we're going to see individual defaults or, or properties pushed to market or people who get in trouble and then the face of foreclosure process, uh, even though they have a bit of equity in the home, uh, there's, there's, there's trouble coming and there's just no one knows what that is. And that's one of the things that uh, is probably the biggest concern, but will also be the biggest boon to uh, us moving back into a more uh, advantageous rate market for purchasing homes. I want to get Taylor's take on what he said. He's, he's, he's alluding uh, indirectly to, to Black Swan, as Judah joked, I don't know if we joke about this, Gray Swan, because we kind of see it coming. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on, it, on, on that? Well, if you listen to Peter Schiff, the world's been ending for about 10 years now. I think he's right. I mean, he's the finance guy, and, and he's looking at the markets more than me. There's a lot of people who are holding out of fear right now. Holding their homes? Holding their homes out of fear. They don't want to... Uh, buy something at an exorbitant price with an exorbitant rate and then get upside down in it. We're in a bit of an insulated market here. I know that I have clients from uh, other states that are seeing a little bit of relaxation on the prices. Um, clients in California who are, you know, we're buying something for their son here and worried that the values were going to go down because that's what they're seeing in California. Now, that's a whole different discussion of what's well, going on. Well, you can literally, for the first time uh, in in history, you can draw a line down the center of the country. It's actually more kind of like a slant from uh, from Detroit to Houston, uh, and everything to, on the left coast uh, is you're seeing a depreciation value, and everything on the right side uh, is continued to appreciate. Uh, 
and a lot of it has to do with uh, some of the speculation purchases that happened mm -hmm. in the, the South Southwest. Mm -hmm. um, some of it has to do with the, uh, you know, there's been some migration out of the states. There was an, you know, an enormous, the other thing is when you get into California, when you get into a million dollar average price point, uh, or Hawaii is a great example. I've got clients who are moving here from Hawaii now. Um, I have friends who live in Hawaii full time. They have, during the whole COVID thing, there was not a s single house for sale. Like you couldn't get one. Um, and the prices, so prices spiked, it got even crazier. Now it is a sea, pull up Zillow, look at Hawaii, it is a sea of million dollar listings. Like, come buy my million dollar house. And there's, no, there's not that many people coming. Um, and then on top of that, there's not that many people that are coming that are going to jump in at a, you know, six and a half percent jumbo loan and go, yeah, I'm good with that. It's just not, the market's not there. So they're seeing a decline that we're not seeing based on uh, both we're at a better price point, um, uh, our, we, we're in a better market as far as people want to be here. Not that people don't want to be in Hawaii, but people can't afford to be there in the same capacity that they can afford to be here. So it, it, it faces a, a human versus rooftop problem that we don't have. Um, John Blair watching on LinkedIn in Stanton. Kevin Yancey watching in Waynesboro, Grayson in North Downtown. Folks watching in Raleigh, North Carolina, Naples, Florida, and outside Philadelphia as we speak. Anywhere you want to go on this topic, Jeremy. I will adapt to you here. Yeah, so <clears throat> I, um, as you were talking about, you know, both, you know, the housing market and the interest rates, like, and, and this gray swan, not necessarily a black swan, but if anyone's gone through the car buying process it's right the now. Canadian goose. <laughs> the Canadian goose. Uh, we always get back to birds here. <laughs> if anyone's gone through the car buying process recently, you're seeing the interest rates on, on cars and the appreciation of vehicles. It's another factor that's, uh, mm. that's playing into all this as well. I mean, car payments right now, it's not uncommon to have $450, $500 car payments um, with with buying new vehicles and the lack of inventory even on the car side. And all of these things are going to add up. I mean, it's, it's the housing and the interest rates. It's the car market. And, and in the insurance world, too, one of the big things that I wanted to share today is 2022 was a very interesting year uh, across the industry for all carriers as far as uh, underwriting losses. Um, you know, I, I, um, I wanted to share an email that we got uh, personal auto, this is just car insurance, so we're not talking about home, um, but personal auto fiscal damage had its worst result in over 25 years in 2022 with a direct loss ratio of more than 20 percentage points above the average of the 25 preceding years and 12% above the second highest, which was 2021. So in 2022 and 2021, we saw higher loss ratios across the industry What's that in mean? home and auto. What's that mean? So... Um, it, it, is, it is the combination of accidents and what insurance companies were paying out for things that happened. Okay. Um, so I'm an independent broker. I work with independent, uh, different insurance companies. Um, but State Farm, who's one of the largest, if not the largest insurance carrier in the United States, in 2022, they reported $13.2 billion in underwriting losses. Half of those were catastrophic losses, meaning it either maxed out the coverage for the property or it affected multiple homes. So we're seeing natural disasters that are taking place. We are, um, you know, whether it's Californian fires or the, the hurricanes, or um, we're also seeing the cost of building materials increase as well across, you know, the industry. So, you know, those are other indications that, you know, 
those are, you know, homeowner's insurance, auto insurance is getting more expensive. If you haven't gotten your renewals this year, those are going up as well. So you've got car loans going up. You've got mortgage rates going Credit up. Credit card debt at an all-time high in American history. You got uh, cars more expensive than ever. Mm-hmm. You got houses more expensive than ever. Throw student you got loan groceries debt in there. more expensive than ever. You got yeah. uh, the loans that people took during COVID coming due now, and right. debt service payments coming due yeah. on those loans. Mm-hmm. You got labor you can't find to work the small businesses, and because you can't find the labor, the little labor that's left is demanding high wage because they have a little bit of leverage. Right. It's what you were saying. I mean, yeah, it's five thousand cuts. There it is. I mean, so how do you stop it? And we're not trying to be doom and gloom because we're all entrepreneurs. So as entrepreneurs by, by um, nature, we have to be optimistic because 80% of small businesses fail in their first three years. Why are we so doomy and gloomy this morning then? Who wants to take that? Doomy and gloomy is, uh, I think it's just, uh, if you've got to get a good read on the environment to make a good decision going forward, um, which is also, uh, you know, I think, you know, from a, you know, a bigger picture, I think that there's a lot of investment in in AI right now that uh, people, you know, it's that go back to this fear of, uh, you know, five years ago, everyone was worried that fintech's, fintech's going to take out so many jobs. Well, it turns out humans are dumb and annoying. And as long as they continue to be that way, they have to have other humans to come in and fix their problems because they don't want to deal with AI. It's great on a, from a from a base level communication standpoint, and there's certain things that it's going to fit a facet for, um, but uh, I think it's oversold in the long run. AI has been around in, in different capacities for, for 10 years in a very strong way, um, but I think that uh, when I see people uh, like looking for the next, the next gold mine stock. I think it's Microsoft and Apple. They already own it. And if they don't own it, they're going to own it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Don't trade Apple. Don't <laughs> trade Microsoft. Buy it and hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice and, right there. And what you were talking about, I, I don't think it's necessary doom and gloom, but as you were saying, be, be prepared. Like, these are just things to look at and be aware of. And um, there are smart decisions that you can make, you know, individually. I mean, you know, this, this is a pretty big ship. It's very hard to turn you know, this size ship and the government's working on it right now with, uh, you know, increasing some of the rates, trying to, you know, slow down inflation, which we were <laughs> talking about earlier. But I, I think individually, you can do some things personally to kind of set yourself up to safeguard, you know, a few of your things. Like, you know, if you're in a home, you know, right now, more people, you know, are looking to stay. They've got their interest rates set up, um, you know, evaluating where they are, or what type of vehicle they are, not you know, not burdening themselves with um, with debt as much. I know it's a completely different radio show altogether, but you know, Dave Ramsey has been talking about this for the better part of 20 years about protecting yourself, not carrying as much debt. And uh, so, if you're setting yourself up that way and you're looking at all these factors and, and playing it out, then then it's not doom and gloom. It's just preparing. Comments coming in, guys. Carly Wagner watching the program. I'll throw this to Taylor from Carly Wagner. With the previous low rates but skyrocketing rents, more average Joe folks can hold on to their previous home even when they have to move. I know several folks that are keeping their starter home as a positive cash flow rental and long-term investment because the rents are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. This puts an even greater squeeze on inventory. That's right. It's a great comment. Your That's thoughts on that? Comment. Actually, I was having this discussion with Keith Davis and Jonathan Kaufman the other day about myself. 
and we were just, you know, around the water cooler and uh, talking about. Um, He's talking owners uh, and brokers of Ness right there. That's right. Um, and they were asking me, you know, especially with my Peter Pan lifestyle, who knows when the end is in sight here. But uh, it went, were they you know, joking with you? If I, if I, if I ever moved, uh, what would I do with my house? And I said, you know, I thought I probably would just keep it. Yeah. I mean, I could cash, uh, yeah, could cash yeah. flow it like way better than I. It, you got a two seven five on that, and would you buy it for three? Three. So two seven five on three. Back the napkin. Don't ask Scott for help. I'm gonna say two seven five on three. What do you like? Fifteen, sixteen a month. Well, they raised my taxes a hundred dollars a month in uh, January, so okay. it's gone up a bit more than that. Okay, but, all right. Uh, but yeah, it's, and what do you got? A three bedroom. Uh, well, technically a four, but I, I would never put anybody in the basement. It's a dungeon down there. <laughs> so I'd say that's seventeen fifty to two thousand a month all day, every day. Uh, maybe a little bit more. Okay, I think it's a little more. So you're sitting on five, six hundred a month from day one. Yeah, cash. So why fund. would you sell? I wouldn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. It'd be stupid to. That's Carly. Unless, point. unless the maintenance just got deferred, uh, so deferred that it was going to be a nightmare one day. Or, and and one thing to consider is. If you're in a play, if you're in a market segment where the demand is so high that people are going to waive inspections, and if you're going to hold on to it and wait until that changes, that's a different. And, and then you get caught making a ten thousand dollar repair because it's a buyer's market, whereas now everybody's going to just take it as it is. That's worth consideration. You have to do your break evens on that, depending on what your monthly cash flow is and how long how long you're going to hold it. But I agree with her completely, and, and even in my own calculus, I wouldn't sell the house. No. I think that sounds great for some responsible people, and I don't mean to say that they're the, the, that other folks may not be responsible, but they may have had things that happened in life that forced them to take on other debt, oh, yeah. and in order to clear that debt and make the and and qualify for the next purchase, they're going to have to sell the house, take the equity. It may not be the best decision, but it'll be the best decision for them. We're strawmanning a situation here where somebody is extremely financially healthy. But, mm-hmm. but there are definitely cases where people have to roll over into the next house. We just talked about the, the lack of savings and the increased credit card debt. And, and we as Americans, uh, typically, that's, that's, that's like our MO. I mean, we're, we're overlooking the, probably the biggest problem going on right now, and that is the fact that, is it July 1st, student loan payments restart? Probably at an average of seven and a half percent capitalizing interest on six to ten extremely overinflated college prices for what is. And I went to Carolina and I went to UVA, so do not misconstrue me as being anti-education. But a lot of the things we're talking about right now. Were you psychology? No. What, no. what was your degree? Uh, at UVA, I had a master's in commerce. Okay. okay yeah. Gosh. But a lot of the things that we talked about with financial literacy, this is something that we need to be talking to. 17 and 18 year olds making 100%. college decisions yeah. about not the 35 year olds who are already sinking deep there's that's you know there's a discussion to have there but and this is also something where like probably the four of us can probably piecemeal together eight to ten books maybe not even that many <laughs> yeah. that probably cost like twenty dollars each and say read this and then you can get everything you need that four years at uva taught me I, i'm not I, trying to throw shade at uva i, I love uva yeah but that's pretty much i don't think i use a single thing i learned at uva in the 15 years of running this business outside of the social skills i developed at four years of uva being away from my parents you can take you can take a yeah. yale Chinese government class on YouTube with an industry leader, or you can go take Stephen Kotkin's Russian government class on YouTube, who's a Princeton professor, for free. And that's a discount. I mean, college is a valuable thing, and I, and I went there, and I love it. But 
if you're 18 years old, PVCC is one of the best community no colleges doubt. around. Why not take two years at PVC? And my dad tried to tell me this too. He was blue in the face, and I said, "I'm going to Carolina." You're not, and it's Fayetteville, <laughs> North Carolina. I wouldn't. You're I wouldn't. Carolina blue in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Jeremy's you, Jeremy. Got jokes. But uh, <laughs> but you know the difference in cost when you're out, you don't understand until that first payment comes back. Seriously. And. So are you, you speaking for personal experience here? Of course I am. Okay, but it's, you know, right. you want to talk about hinging people's capacity to own property, throw $1,000 a month. A month. That's, that's not my situation. Okay. But it's like throw $1,000 a month uh, student loan payment. Yeah. So I mean, that, if it costs you $100,000 at 7% well, 10-year repayment to, my, to go to UVA, it's And, and 100 is probably light. Probably goes, light. Yeah. Let's, we'll look at this. So the, the greatest example of that is not for your situation. But for someone who's become a social worker in the state of Virginia, which, or even, and some teachers, um, or some lawyers. So one of the things when I have a, a realtor introduce me and they're excited about their client, they go, they're lawyers. And I go, like, are they criminal defense attorneys that accept money? <laughs> or are they district attorneys who just went $220,000 in student loan debt yeah. and now make $80,000 a year? In-house kind of in counsel for a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah, something or, like yeah, that. Or, or are they, uh, you know, are they, is this a, a counselor who has to get a master's degree and then basically work <coughs> for free for two and a half years on top of the $180,000 to $200,000 in student loan debt they have to be a therapist and they they can't then go out and then earn off of that money i mean there are tons of degrees that we place on uh workmanship that you're never going to recover that money from just period um i mean that what there was a couple years ago there was a, a wall street journal article about uh, uh some dentist who had accrued like uh a, half a million dollars in student loan debt i think debt. it's two and a half million dollars now Okay. And, yeah, in and, Colorado. And the, yeah, and yeah. the whole, and the whole, and the whole thing was they're like, you're never, like, he's just like, I'm not going to pay it back. Like these are a dentist. Typically, they're earners. Yeah, they make some money. Yeah, two hundred k ish per yeah. year people um, who who just said, you know, look, we're just never going to pay this money back. It's, I think they're paying an income driven repayment, yeah. monthly minimum, which means his interest is capitalizing every year, and he begins to accrue interest on the interest, which and is he's what just these say, students are. I'm going to die. die and not pay. He it. said, "I'll die, and my, my kids will get nothing, but I can't actually pay this back now." That's crazy. That's crazy. Insane. Carly Wagner commenting. Jeremy, you jump in anytime you want. She says, if if needed, you could also take a HELOC out on that first home for a larger down payment on the next home. I'm curious if Scott's seeing that. Are you seeing people who bought, say, 2019, 2020, 2.75, 3% rate, stacks of equity, utilizing that equity for a down payment on another home and keeping the first one a rental? They can if they qualify for all the debt. But uh, one of the I've seen people who are who are seriously flinching at the HELOC process because you're 10% interest right now on a lot of yeah, those products. Right? 10% on the HELOC? Yeah. Damn. Which is also variable, which is typically amortizes over 20 years with the balloon at the end, and then you've got the option to refi. And what kind of term are you talking on that? Uh, 20 years. 20-year schedule, a 20-year term, too? Yeah. And it, and it changes, adjusts? Some, sometimes it's 10. It depends. There's a lot. There's so many like different interest options. Interest only for, that. for the first 10 years. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Some of them are interest. Again, so many options. Everybody's give you, you know, a different little piece depending on where you go. Um, I really like Tower Federal Credit Union has some good products. Uh, uh, UVA Credit Union's got some as well. But uh, typically, credit unions are going to carry your best heat lock options. Uh, but again, it's how much money do you need? What you know? What are your other options? There's the, every, what's right for me might not be right for you. 
Kelsey Hall yeah. asked this question. She says, this for the panel, it might be for Taylor. How many of the folks locally have become small-time landlords, and by small-time landlords, I mean one or two units, and creating an inventory pinch because of that? I mean, that's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I think that some people in my neighborhood have, but yeah. that's just anecdotal. Is that Greenbrier? Uh, I guess they're trying to annex me, but I don't live in Greenbrier. Okay. I live on, uh, on a, just a small cul-de-sac. To the side. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And I guess uh, I can jump in with that. Sure. So um, w- when I think about the, the amount of policies that are right that are homeowners versus a dwelling policy where someone's getting a secondary rental, um, at, it, it's it, – Secondary homes are probably making up yeah, you 5% probably see or less. It more than most of us because they're retaining it and then moving on. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and I don't see it as much as people locally that own a home and then they're buying a secondary home here in the area. I get a lot more people that are out of state, mm-hmm. whether they have uh, the number of people that buy homes for their kids that are in graduate school at UVA, whether it's residency or law school or something like that. Um, they're buying a home, and that's you know it's their secondary home, and then you know their son or daughter has uh, lives there, and then they pick up a roommate. So it's offsetting some of that, but um, a lot from California, New York, um, the upper, you know, northeast of the United States, buying these secondary homes, and they'll keep it, and then they'll either you know keep the equity, and then they'll sell it later, or you know they'll just have another place that they can stay. And in a lot of those people are cash buyers too, which is. Inflated, and if they've sold a property out of income. market in an inflated area, coming here with cash gives them that ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Jackson just put that in the feed. How many out-of-towners are coming in here? All you guys. How a many lot. are you seeing? I, I, this year, I've, a lot of, I've had a lot of buyer activity. My listings have been limited, but I've been very busy with buyers, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are uh, out-of-towners with cash. Well, we're, we're blessed. Um, the city That's of Charlottesville, has, it's a beautiful area. The job market is strong around here. The university is is always growing. The hospitals are growing, um, and it's almost like we've rung this bell before. But keep going. <laughs> well, and then and then if you look at uh, this is from twenty twenty one probably, but um, the top four cities for retirees in the state of Virginia are Williamsburg, Charlottesville, Waynesboro, and Roanoke. Those are four of the top areas for people to retire to. Waynesboro over Stanton? Waynesboro over Stanton, yeah. That surprises me. Waynesboro. Uh, it's the cost, um, but you're still close. I mean, you know, it's a 30-minute drive. Yeah. Um, shoot, if you go from Crozet to North 29, it takes you 30 minutes. Yeah. So you can get from Waynesboro to, to downtown Charlottesville in 30 minutes. It's true. Yeah. Um, so you got to go over a mountain. It's a beautiful drive, and traffic is fun, but yeah. I digress. <laughs> um, but so we're seeing a lot of people from... Outside areas, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Boston, um, even some people from, from Florida that are settling here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know this. I mean, you're two hours from you know, Washington, D.C., northern Virginia, four hours to the beach, um, and you're in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So it's a beautiful area. So uh, a lot of people that are retiring, Scott probably doesn't see them because a lot of them are cash buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're getting equity out of their homes, and they don't have to fight through six and a half, seven percent interest rates when they're buying the home. The price of the homes is still up. It's but you know they're they're normally trading out from from a higher area. Yeah. Um, and that helps contribute to the rising cost of the homes. How about this question from Lynchburg? Um, this question is from uh, Spencer Sherling who says how long will these market con- conditions persist? A long time. <laughs> so you you see 
tight inventory, high rates, deep buyers. No. So I think that we're going to see a shift in rates. I think I still believe that uh, we'll be in the uh, the low fives by the end of the year. Um, maybe even we dip down once or twice, we can stick a four on it. Um, but uh, tight inventory will persist. There's uh, what I like to call an enormous amount of dead inventory from people who qualified to buy at uh, sub 3.5% based on their hourly uh, earnings, or they were teachers, fire, police, uh, that have a limited capacity to grow their income, mm-hmm. and they cannot, as Taylor talked about, make a, a lateral or, or, or a step up. They can't make a vanity purchase. That option for them is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, be, so that they are going to be in those homes for perpetuity, or they have the possibility, if they have been responsible, um, to where if they're maybe moving out of the area, they, re- they could retain it on its basic cash flow just because of the low interest rate and uh, where they are. So they can, they can grow some individual wealth in doing so for your highest your highest level of responsible buyer um, individual that's what they would do um, if there's someone that then has had some sort of life experience that they have to move for they may be forced to sell the property um, and then the last year would be if they've gone through some sort of individual struggle and they have to sell the property and become a renter those are the types of things that are going to put those properties on the market um, but at the same time they're they all take some time in order for them to happen and most likely they're not going to happen to everyone at once mm-hmm. what do you think about that i agree i think he's on point wholeheartedly yeah. and also the falling rates doesn't help the buyer's journey no not if at anything all. it's more competitive um, it's but way it more will, competitive. but it, it it increases it, the likelihood for people to to go okay of putting can, my house on the market because i can, I can justify, justify the new rate well that's maybe true. that's maybe. true but I, it, but at what rate of like does the demand segment grow at the same rate as the supply segment? That's what I think. See, I think what he's basically saying, and I'm going to try to put it, he, Taylor's way smarter than me. I think he's basically saying when rates fall, a lot more buyers are going to jump in the pool. We may get more homes listed, but more buyers will jump in the pool, yeah. which will make it more competitive, despite the fact more homes are listed. That's what you're saying. Yeah, including non-competitive true. buyers, which still makes buying a house more competitive. Exactly. That's a beautiful, explain that. Yeah. Well, if I have one, if I have two offers, let's say I list my house at three hundred thousand dollars, I have two offers. I might get three of five, three ten at the best. If I have ten offers, somebody's going to come in and just be like, "Oh my goodness, there's ten offers here. Let me just throw three fifty at it, wave the appraisal." And suddenly, the person who has a budget of three hundred five or three ten, they still can't compete Struggling. just out of the fear purchase of somebody from out of town who sold their house in Florida for a 200% appreciation from when they bought it 10 years ago mm-hmm. and just threw the cash at 350 up here. At there it. it is. That's a great example. Jeremy, anywhere you want to go on this? Yeah. I, was, I mean, one of the things that, that we really need is, is more construction, which is you know, a double-edged sword because you know, some people don't necessarily like development, you know, not in my backyard, but at the same time, like, that's something that we need. And you know, we've seen over the course of the last five, ten years, you were going from half-acre home sites with, you know, 3,500-square-foot homes with full basements, and things have gotten, you know, they've, they've uh, utilized land more efficiently. You know, we're seeing more of the condo complexes, more attached home products um, that are coming in simply to get inventory up. Um, you know, we, we've had to. The other side of that is the cost of constructions have gone up, really starting in around August, September of 2018 was really the first big lumber spike. And that was kind of the beginning 
of the rising costs and the construction mm -hmm. rates that we saw it was right there around August, September of 2018. Um, and that's carried through. I mean, even, you know, through the pandemic, things have gotten even tighter. Anyone that's, that's built independent uh, has learned you know, things like it can take, you know, six to eight weeks or more for windows to arrive. Mm -hmm. The production builders have felt that. Um, but we're very blessed that we have a number of builders in Charlottesville, uh, and they're working to bring that inventory. That's something that's, that's going to be uh, needed to, to kind of help alleviate this, mm -hmm. um, is that new construction. And there was really... Uh, well, we've got, unfortunately, enough NIMBYs, and uh, we talk about this weekly with Keith. Um, local government has, and municipalities have become anti-growth anti in a lot of those sectors. So we're not going to be able to build our way out of it. However, with the small yeah, individual right. builders, what, it, what we probably are, and I, I'm talking smaller than the Ryans and even Stanley Martins, and uh, mm -hmm. even smaller than Liberty. We're, I'm talking about the individual uh, Class A contractor who can build a house for uh, $220,000 on a 1,500-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath, uh, where Jeremy's bought a $50,000 lot where you can be all in for under $300,000. The folks you brought on the show. Uh, yeah, or yeah. yeah, DJ Moberly and, and, and Culpepper. Um, they inspired home builders. Uh, they... They have the greatest amount of opportunity right now um, because they can essentially put you in a new home for less than what you can buy a resale for or a very comparable price. And those are the builders who have, I think, the, the most amount of opportunity and at least provide also the most amount of benefit to the individual who's got the capability to get, make that sort of thing happen. Mm -hmm. Scott Morris, Ross Mortgage. Um, great take right there. Daniel Pettit watching the program. Real Estate Three's finest. He's been in the business for what, Dan, I would say what, 30, 40 years? Uh, he says he's watching at ACAC right now on the treadmill. He's got a question for you guys. Um, do you think the rental rates will continue to rise? I think he's got a rental at Lake Monticello. I think they'll continue to go up. We've got more people coming to this area, limited inventory to buy. People need a place to live. If people need a place to live, they got to rent. If they got to rent, the landlord's got the leverage, so they bump the price. Is that the equation? I'm not a property manager, but... Uh the demand and supply are the same on the rental side. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, if, if, I, if I own it, like let's say I rented my house out and it's a one bedroom condo in town for $1,800, I'm just going to bump my price at 25 and be like, oh, you want a yard? You want a fenced in yard? You want three bedrooms? You want a carport? You know? Go rent at the apartment complex for $1,800 or you can come pay way more for here. Yeah. Angela giving you some props right now, Scott. She's watching right now. She just threw up the uh, clap emoji and the heart emoji for dropping the business and giving her some props. Um, Angela, we You're love... Uh, you guys are great. I yeah. love everything you do. You create a great product, a good experience for your clients. Yeah. You, think, you think the same, Jeremy? Yeah, well... Um, With the rates, the rental? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's, it's going to go up. It feels like we've been for probably more than 20 years, it's always felt like Charlottesville has been 95% saturated as far as the rental market. Like there's, there's just never been mm. enough it's rental really properties. To get it's, it's, it's yeah. been that way as long as I can remember, as long as I've been um, in town. I mean, shoot, going back to students, <laughs> you had to find your second year housing by like October of like your first year. You had to figure it's out totally who you're going to with and you yeah. had to start looking then. Um, because it took that long to find leases, get it all squared away. And the so, interesting thing about yeah. that dynamic is by October, you're not really sure who you want to live with exactly. second year <laughs> right. because you've only had like a month and change with them. 
and you have not had enough time on rugby or on the corner with the fake IDs to really get to know if this is what you want for second year. And yeah. I'm just speaking for personal that experience. That's just me and personally. And I was I was an RA my second year, so okay. I was playing this Which dice store? Uh, I was in Dabney my okay. second year. Dabney 101, but, my first year. Nice. So I, I rolled the dice. I was like, I need to figure out what I'm – if I don't get RA – Am I going to be homeless for my second year? Because like you either had you had to commit. You would have been you far New Dorms so. if you hadn't gotten yeah, RA. Exactly. And you would have been walking been far. Yeah, yeah. Airford, That's right. That's totally what um, you would have done. No, but but there's 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 not enough you know um, inventory out there, and so I, I as long as as long as everything else is going up, we are going to continue to see the I, rise I, in the. I saw the a rental listing the other day where the owner had put in the comments on Zillow. Please, 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 no more inquiries. I'm inundated. Really? <laughs> yeah. Get out. Why didn't you just take the listing down? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's bananas, man. Yeah. That just talks about the market. All right, more comments coming in here. Um, there are multiple triple-digit acre sites for sale in Augusta County. If a forward-thinking builder started building um, 1,800-square-foot, $225,000 homes in Augusta, he or she could not build them fast enough. Interestingly... We have an Augusta County boy on set, born and yeah. raised. Anywhere you want to go in Augusta County, it seems like you got tremendous momentum and tailwinds in Augusta County right now. Well, there's uh, there certainly is the land, and of course, you know, um, Augusta County has some of the best farmland in the state of Virginia. I mean, you know, the state of Virginia has some of the best farmland in uh, in the United States. It's not just so, meth and chickens. No, no, it's not, not at all. Um, no, I mean. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, Augusta, Augusta County is a beautiful area, and the county the county does a really good job protecting a lot of the farmland that's over there, um, and so it it is not easy uh, for just a builder to come in buy the land and, and assume that they're going to be building. So, so it my has other to get question zoned. would be like when we talk about these big parcels of land. All right, there's so there's to me Augusta County is a very large county. It's massive. And when we talk about where a builder could execute this, I mean you've got to be on that eighty one sixty four like quarter, hundred percent, or because if not, if like you're in Churchville, like you're too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. really nice out there, on like on cow pasture, calf pasture, but you're not. And while you could build some amazing homes out there. Unless, I mean, there's not that, I don't think there's internet to support. How's it any different, though, Scott, than Buckingham County? And people live there. That's been my point about Buckingham. $225,000. Right on the other side of the the bridge at Scottsville, that's one thing. But if you're back where the National Forest is, that's the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And and there is, and I think think some of the builders have to be looking for it as well. Like, I know um, uh, there's an agent in Augusta County, uh, Jody um, Sype. That she's got a parcel of land that's already kind of platted for 32 individual homes. I'd reached out to a couple of builders and said, "Hey, you know, this land's ready to go." I didn't hear back from one. I heard, uh, "No, it's a little bit far for us to drive, but it's in Fishersville, Virginia." I mean, Fishersville, the the land is within a mile of Augusta uh, Health. Um, that's right there. It is five minutes to the interstate. Did you just get an and- Amazon? A warehouse in, yeah, in Fishersville? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a new – yeah, that, that's another topic of conversation because the population in Augusta County also needs to grow because there's more jobs that want to come into the area. Um, but, you know, Augusta County needs um, uh, not necessarily all blue-collar jobs. They need a, a mix of everything. But, um, but there is land, and there is the opportunity for it um, to continue to grow. Fishersville has been an area of growth for the last 20, 25 years. Um, there's uh, a few spots just um, north, I guess, of Waynesboro 
um, like Anna Maria states that they have a number of uh, parcels of land. More of your um, smaller production builders uh, and local builders that buy those lots and build over there. NVR, Ryan Homes, you know, they've been building over there. Atlantic Builders building over in Augusta County. They have land in Stewart's Draft. You can buy acre home sites in Stewart's Draft. Um, so there is, there is land to be developed there. But at the same time, it's not um, the way that the county is set up because it has been agriculturally based for so long. It, if a farmer wants to retire, he can't just sell his land to to a builder and, and you know, they can just put up a neighborhood anywhere they want. Um, there's different rules and regulations and zoning that has to go into that. So it's the focal points of growth in the county that are uh, important over there. That's a great take right there. He grew up in Augusta County and he used to work for Stanley Martin. So he's got experience with a production builder. So he's speaking from um, really shoe leather and, and experience um, with that take there. This comes in the feed. There's 1,000 acres directly adjacent to 81 and two miles from Interstate 64 in Augusta County. And they say Augusta County has what no one else has, the dirt to develop and build upon. It's a great take. Here's a question specifically from Taylor for someone that's thinking about getting into the real estate business. It's a challenging time right now. Yeah. If you're thinking about getting into the real estate business, I'm not trying to be a dream crusher, and I'm not even in the business. Maybe I'll let Taylor give you that advice. She says this, is your footprint now expanding as a younger agent with limited sales in Charlottesville, now Morrow County, and how far are you willing to drive with your current business? Good question. Well, I actually feel like my footprint, my footprint is shrinking, but I think that's extremely situational to me. What's uh, that mean? When I first started, I was driving all over the place. And I still will, you know, to be frank, like I have a deal in Richmond right now um, with the past client who went over there and wanted me to work with him. And, I've known Taylor uh, to go to uh, West Augusta. So Augusta County is so big I've, I've that there's two parts before. of it. There's Augusta County and yeah. then there's West Augusta. So that's, so. what is that, 90 minutes one way? <laughs> that's like nah, Monterey. It's like 60. It was, 60 it was an way? hour, yeah. Okay. I generally will drive an hour, but... You know, I don't have the kids and the wife and uh, am pretty money motivated, so it doesn't matter to me. I like to work. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But, you know, after I moved to Nest, just the market share here, purchase price went up. uh, You know, I started to uh, focus a bit more on the area, and it just kind of happens naturally being with the branding behind you um, and as you get a little older. And I've been in the business about six years now, so... As you're in there longer and you're more in, integrated in the community, your business does start to centralize and focus a bit. Um, so you're now in that move up buyer. Yeah, you're in the move up buyer. Customer. I have a lot of double sided deals right now. From uh, well, I have one. You know, these folks are in a really good financial situation, but they're buying an, a, another house in cash and selling the first one. It's it's a lot of second home stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and I, I'll let Scott speak to this too. Um, it's a grinded out time if you were really going to get in. Um, I've heard of a lot of cutbacks in the mortgage, uh, even locally. There's been some layoffs, uh, some thinning of the herd. I've heard of the same. Um, I mean, you know, I mentioned this on our show, the I Love Seville show. This is not me speaking out of turn. Yeah. This was online. Nest closed its downtown office. Well, they're moving. Okay. They built another office. Okay. Yeah. So a little, little. You want to offer a little insight into that, or you want to save that for the principals? I don't want to put you in a hot spot here. That could be a Keith Jonathan question. I think this is, uh, well, it might be a Keith Jonathan question, but I I don't think it's, um, speaking out of turn to say that, I think they just preferred to build an office, and uh, and it's just completely random that it's occurring right now. Um, 
I think they had a bit of de construction delays with regard to uh, it would have already happened. Construction delays? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, For those that are streaming in their car, there was some sarcasm there from Scotty Moe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, in short, I don't want to discourage anybody from doing it. I, I love being a real estate agent. It's a job that really fits my personality yeah, and, and things like that. But uh, if I didn't have a couple hundred past clients right now, it would be a real slog to dig some business up, to create some relationships. And I do not advocate doing it on the side. Yeah. It's not a side all. hustle. It's, it's not a, a side hustle. It is a full-time job. Yeah. If you do not want to... If you do not want to work at 7 p.m. or on Saturday and Sunday afternoon or be available within an hour of somebody calling you to see something that there's going to be 10 offers on in two hours, you don't need to do it, <laughs> frankly. Uh, you, if you completely invest yourself in it, you can make a really good living and it's a great job, but you have to fully commit. Mm -hmm. um, if you do decide, hey, I'm doing this, I want to get, in, I want to get into it right now during this rough rougher environment mm -hmm. find an experienced agent who wants to hand off leads and pay you a fee to work on them and let and just do their dirty work for them meet people in town maybe have them set up a structure to give you some sort of salary or um, having them buying leads from you they're going to when you get really established you're going to hate how much money you're taking they're taking from you but it's a great way to safely get integrated and, and meet people and build a client base and build a book of business and then pivot from there when the market gets better but yeah. stepping out as a 1099 today would be a really tough situation that's great advice mm -hmm. hardest question i'm going to ask you today yeah <laughs> this is it right here it's a follow-up to that one okay how many of the 1200 or so uh paying dues paying agents in car are not going to renew their license i don't, I don't know. Mean to put you on the spot i don't know i'll, I'll give you a because i would imagine that percentage is double digits when you're talking about oh, year, yeah. oh, you're talking sure. year over year sales drop for in volume sure. of 25 to 30 percent. For sure. Well, it's already normally distributed. It's like everything, right? You know, you can have a million restaurants and or just take the NBA, for example. There's like, what, 20 all-stars in a league of 400 people. The real estate's the same way. There's 1,200 members of cars. 90% of the business is done by 10% of the agents. 100%. Yeah, percent. Right. So... Um, there's going to be a lot of people probably not renewing their licenses. There's probably a bunch of people who got the licenses to sell their own house and save on the fees. Um, uh, but there, there will be a thinning of the herd. I can't tell you what percentage it'll be, but the 10% the doing 90% of the business are not feeling, you know, they may not be as profitable as they were in years past when there's just crazy amounts of transactions going on, but they're not feeling a pressure in the same way. I've got the other 90% are feeling pressure. She doesn't care if she does as much business anymore. She's like, I just don't want to be as busy. And that's not like a, that's not uh She's not bragging. It's not bravado. Yeah. It's 1,000% like I own 11, 15 rental properties now, and uh, I can, you know, this is, you know, if I do 40 instead of 70, like, my feelings aren't going to be hurt at the end of the day. We, I think we have yeah. a, that similar friend, um, and we won't out her on the show here. Um, your thoughts on what we're talking about? Yeah, no. Um, just in general with getting you know into the real estate market right now, I, I've known some new agents that have come on board, but um, I had someone maybe six months ago that had just posted on you know online, you know, thinking about getting my real estate license, and I quickly you know jumped in and um, called them in and said like, you just got to look at both sides of it, you know. For some, it's a lifestyle and it's a lot of work. Um, I think a lot of people have this mentality that it's a lot of fun to drive around and show homes. 
But what they don't see is the hours that you put it in on Saturday at seven o'clock or Sunday at nine o'clock. Um, you know that it uh, right now you, you might be looking at thirty homes before you get an offer accepted so with some crazy. of your buyers. And how big do you want so, your footprint to be? Yeah, because right. that's another thing. Um, you know, if you're just getting in, you've got to be willing to be everywhere. Um, and if you want to grow, you've got to be willing to be everywhere. Um, because if you're just like, I'm just going to work. Uh, it's what you've done, market. dude, with your business. I mean, and, and he's humble, but I'm going to toot his own horn. He's crushing it. And what he's done is he's grinded. He's put his brand everywhere. You've got a hell of a team. I mean, I've seen you assemble the team slowly, slowly, you know, over what? Years? Yeah. Right? Over years. I mean, you're crushing. He's two in production and all of Ross mm-hmm. and the entire company. This guy right That's here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but he answers the phone, and Keith talks about it all the time. Might be Sunday, it might be a holiday, but Scott's going to pick up. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to do. And that's why he I've does got, business. I've got an agent that, pers- I generally like to say that I, I work with people that I like. And me and this dude do not get along at all, but at the same time, it, it, he's out of market, so I can say this. I know he's not listening. But uh, <laughs> He uh, crushes it, right? He crushes it. Yeah. And, but at the same time, he knows that n- if he calls, he's going to get an answer yeah. every time. Every time, no matter what, whether it's one he wants to hear, whatever the situation it is, and uh, you know, there, there's there, there's a, a great working relationship. The value but of that so many people don't do that, though. No, I, that's no. why they say seventy percent of it, or no. whatever the number is, is just showing up to the work. Yeah, just showing up on time. Right. You know, it's crazy. Um, comments coming in. We'll try to get to as many of these as possible, guys. Um, this one for Scott. Um, a little bit of a zig from one of the Kevins here. Do you still think we're going to be in the fours by the end of the year? I, I said to, on today's show. I look my my reasons said, for uh, it end of the year for it. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I I, I picked up my reasons for it. We talked about pre-show and a little bit early on are not good reasons. Like, but yeah, do I think that we're going to get there? I do, I do. There's some bad stuff that's going to happen to get us there, but I think that we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. End of the year. By the end of the year, and we and like I said, we may not maintain that, but I think we dip down into it no matter what. I think by the end of the year, at least at one point, you can be able to put a four on it. What do you think about that, Taylor? He's talking Q4, 30-year fixed in the fours. You know, Scott's a dreamer, and I wish I had his optimism. My <laughs> life would be a better. It'd be better if I did. I think I, I said 4.99, but you can put a four on it. The first least. time he said this on the show was it is her is it Japricia Clark? Is yeah. that who it was? He had Japricia Clark here. She was sitting right there. He said that. She jumped up and was so excited. She's a realtor as well. She was so happy also to hear that. Yeah, also at Nash. She's fantastic. Japricia, I hope, I hope you come back to the show. Um, all right, another comment coming in. This one for Jeremy. What was sure. the most difficult aspect of launching your agency? <laughs> um, Where do you begin, right? Yeah, no, I mean, there was, there was a lot into it. There was a lot of planning and, and thought that went into it. It is not a, an overnight um, step uh, to open up your own agency. Uh, the most difficult and scary thing is, um, you know, it was a new franchise. So day one when I started, I had zero dollars, zero policies. It's, uh, I didn't buy a book of business. Um, it was me. So I had to bet 100% on myself. That's awesome. Um, and out of all the goosehead agencies in the state of Virginia last year, uh, I've got one of the guys that I work with, Isaiah, and I think we were 
finished fifth in the state. So, nice, dude. Um, Let's give him some props. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Fun fact. He has That's legit. A, he has an extremely high customer service background because Jeremy and I knew each other from the car business prior before us ever yeah. getting into our... Before <laughs> Stanley Martin. Yeah, yeah. before okay. Stanley Martin. I, uh, I was a long time ago the branch manager for Enterprise uh, here in Charlottesville. Fun fact, and I, I am going to brag on myself, it was during a Honda recall, which was lovely. There's recalls going on all the time. But at one point, the Charlottesville branch on 29 was the largest enterprise branch in the state of Virginia uh, outside of an airport. Um, so This is that, Ryo that Hill? Was, uh, this one on 29. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right there okay. near uh, Ryo Honda, Road. And it was also during the ignition recall for Chevrolet. Both were going <laughs> yeah. on at the same time. At the time. same time. And I just... We, we, I think that branch was up to like 450, 480 cars, and they were all on the road for recalls, which was, which was great. Um, so yeah, so Scott and I went all the way back there, and I was the, uh, the guy that was coming down, picking up customers or asking for invoices yeah. and everything. So, um, But no, the, the, going back, yeah, the hardest thing was just going out completely on my own um, and, uh, and, and starting, starting from zero and, and building the business from there, but... Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've been very blessed, and I've got a broker for over seventy different carriers. I, I don't work for any of them, which I really love. I'm I'm kind of a uh, I don't have any quotas for any of them. So whenever I work with someone, it's just whatever company is going to give the best rate and the best coverage. Um, you know, that's what we look to to kind of arrange. So it's made my job easier having that as well. I love it. You did a hell of a job today. Um, I want to get some closing thoughts from you guys. Thank I got you. one more question um, from a viewer and listener for Scott. Um, he's talking PMI, removing PMI. Um, he wants your take on it. If you guys get uh, to a point of uh, equity where you don't need the PMI, you're going to have to notify your lender to have that payment removed. Is that the right strategy? So. Um if it's your initial lender, like me, um, then I'm going to talk to you about the process and tell you what you may need to do. But the first thing you're going to need to do is contact your servicer. So most likely after you, you had your mortgage originated, it was transferred to a permanent servicer, um, whether it be a Mr. Cooper or Penny Mac um, or, or any one of those the, the names that may be familiar to people listening. Uh, at that point, if you feel that uh, you've, you know, you've got uh, an update from you know your your lender saying your house has this much value now or you believe or if they're sending you stuff in the mail saying you can take cash out that's a great time to go well if you think i can take cash out then you're telling me i should be at 80 percent. that's where the comments coming in um and if you're there you need to contact the servicer i would also the first thing i would do i would contact your realtor if you've got a good relationship and say hey can you take a look and give me a, a CMA on what you think my house is worth? Because if they tell you that it's a dramatically different number than what the, more, the servicer is telling you as far as in relation to the value of getting that cash, uh, it may not be worth it for you to go spend five or $600 on an appraisal because that's the first thing that's going to need to happen. You're going to need to contact the servicer, get them to order an appraisal, and that appraisal is going to tell them whether or not the value is – now. It should be 80%. It should automatically come off if that's the case. But if you've only been inside of that mortgage for less than 24 months, uh, they may have individual rules that it has to be at uh, 75%. There could be, you need to contact them, one, find out what the rules are, contact your realtor, find out what they believe the value is, and then make a knowledge-based decision based on the rules and, and that supposed value and what their appraisal should come in at for your next step. 
There you go. Turn that into a piece of content. A sizzle reel there. I would bet you there's a lot of people in this position that have purchased in the like the last 24 months or 18 mm -hmm. months, and the market has appreciated so much, even with like a five or 10% down payment, that they've eclipsed the 20% marker, mm -hmm. and they're still making the PMI payment. Don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet you there's a boatload of yeah. people doing that. Absolutely. Don't you think? Oh, 100%. Because do you have to do you have to notify for it to come off, or do some loan providers do it on their own? So if you're probably if you're at like the five to seven year mark, they may drop it. But if you're inside of if you're less than five years, you one thousand percent are going to need to reach out to them and say, "Hey, let's get an appraisal ordered." But before you do that, contact your realtor, your professionals, your original mortgage originator. Uh, have a conversation, get an idea of if it's something that's truly gonna work before you go spend the money. I like it, I like it. Um, Scott Morris, guys, Taylor Averett. Jeremy, you crushed it today. Uh, you, you gotta bring Jeremy Rowe back to the show. I think the plan is to bring Jeremy oh. Rowe back to the show oh. and Taylor, so this is said, I'm gonna be gone next week. Very nice. Um, uh, due to some, some family stuff that I've got going on and uh, I think these two are gonna come uh, running the show. I love it. Next Wednesday, guys, you're gonna see awesome. Taylor and Jeremy back in the house. Are you back the following Wednesday? Uh, I'll be gone the following Wednesday, but Keith okay. will be back then. Keith's and uh, then I'll be back the week after that. Um, for those that are asking, I, I, I do see the comment on the feed. Keith Smith um, celebrating, is it anniversary? Today? I think so, yeah. Anniversary with Yona. So he and Yona are out of country celebrating their anniversary. He is back um, two Wednesdays from now for Real Talk. Judah Wickhauer, the director. My name is Jerry Miller. The I Love Seville show is up in about an hour and 10 minutes here on the I Love Seville Network. Thank you kindly for joining us. Take care. Thank you. Well done, guys. Thank you.